With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and with me on the other end of the line again today is my co-host, Curtis. And uh, as incredible as the Rose Bowl win was, this next one, this is the big one, guys. We all know that. This is the one that's for all the marbles, winner take all. And that is obviously, clearly, what else would it be? But that is the topic of today's show. Anything and everything about Monday's national title game in Atlanta against the Alabama Crimson Tide. So we will have that covered every which way here momentarily. But first, just a couple of quick reminders for everyone out there. You guys can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. We'd love to interact with you guys there and get your thoughts on everything that's going down. Uh, so do not be shy. Feel free to ask us questions, share your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you guys. I uh, also want to make sure everyone knows you can follow or you can find us on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Uh, definitely dogsportsradio.com be the first place to find us. Uh, you can download the Dog Sports Radio app to your smartphone. It's also an easy way to get our content. But you can also check out iTunes, SoundCloud, and the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And uh, thank you to everyone who's already rated and reviewed the show on your preferred platform. We really appreciate that. And if you haven't, if you get a chance, I know you know times are busy. We all got a lot of stuff going on in our lives. But if you get a, a free second or two, it takes just a second literally to, to click a, a rating, to write a quick review. We'd really appreciate that. That helps us as we continue to try to grow the show. So thanks in advance for that. But all right, well, all that stuff out of the way, Kurt, let's go ahead, man. We got a lot to talk about here. So, uh, I mean, what? It's the biggest game since, what, 1980, right? I mean, I guess. Um, it really is. I mean, it's the first time we got to play for it since the 80s. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I guess we played for it in, uh, a couple years after 80 with Herschel still there. But still, I mean, it's the biggest game since the early 80s. No doubt about it. I guess every game since the SEC title has been like the biggest game, right? The SEC title was the biggest game. Then you've got the, the Rose Bowl at that point was the biggest game. And now here we are again. Like This one is for real, the biggest game. So definitely have a lot to talk about here. Now, the first thing I, wanna, I want to, to talk about here before we get into the matchup uh, on Monday's matchup, I want to go back and just kind of look at that Sugar Bowl matchup for one quick second here because there's something that that I've heard kind of bandied about this narrative that started to emerge about the Sugar Bowl game that I'm not a hundred percent sure that I completely buy into. I'm curious. I'm just kind of curious to get your take on it because I, I could totally be wrong here. Probably I probably am wrong to be honest with you. But the narrative that I'm hearing it really ever since the Sugar Bowl is that Bama absolutely dominated Clemson. Right? You're hearing that too, aren't you? Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, all the national media, they're all over Bama. They just dominated Clemson. What a dominating performance, okay? I, however, would posit that, yes, Bama beat them absolutely soundly. They beat them very soundly. But I don't know that Bama dominated Clemson, beat the holy crap out of them like everyone in the national media is making it out to be. Am I completely off base here? Um, Honestly, in my opinion, no, because... To be completely honest, when Clemson was driving that final drive to try and get a touchdown on the board, yeah. um, I, you know, I was watching with some friends, and I kind of looked at them and said, honestly, if Clemson doesn't have those two turnovers, then they're driving right now to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you're talking about that last 75-yard drive that ended on downs at that Bama 5, right? Yeah, exactly. Because if they don't – if because if, if, 
the pick six and then the fumble or the, yep. the pick which was returned yep. and there's an easy touchdown. That right there, those were the that's the um other that's the difference that, of the game. Yeah, Alabama other than that scored one offensive touchdown. Like they want to talk about Alabama's offense controlled the game and everything. Hurts didn't what? even have a uh, did he even have 150 yards passing and he didn't even have I think he had 40 yards rushing. Alabama, okay, they outgained Clemson. Yes, they beat them soundly, but they outgained Clemson 261 total yards to 188 total yards. That's just not what I classify as a dominating performance. I know the scoreboard says 24 to 6, but 261 to 188 in total yards differential, that's not a dominating performance. That's less than 100 yards. No, exactly. And like I said, I mean, if it's not for the turnovers, it's a 10-6 game. Because yeah. let's be honest, after that one touchdown by Alabama, their offense was doing nothing. I mean, they were try- they were trying to score so they could pull their starters out. Yeah, and, and they they, it was – you're right. And it, you're right. You're exactly right. It was that sequence right after halftime, right? Uh, so and just kind of recap what you were saying there. So Bama fumbles on the opening drive of the second half, right? Clemson's yeah. got the ball, uh, an, an easy scoring – uh, opportunities right there, but they go three and out and are forced to kick a field goal. So they didn't capitalize on their opportunity right there. And then uh, Clemson is there. Then the next drive, they're driving right. They got second and two near midfield. Okay, they're near midfield, second and two. Then you have the sack interception by Deron Payne, who runs the ball down the Clemson twenty-seven. Then they punch it in, and then the very next offensive play for Clemson. What happens? Pick six. Pick six. Mac Wilson picks six. Boom, before you know it, it's 24-6. It was 10-6 to at halftime. And like I said, Clemson gets the, the opening and drive turnover. They don't – yeah, and they, and they they get the – you're right, 10-3. to They get the opening drive turnover, have a chance, an easy scoring position there to potentially tie the game, can completely change the complexion of that game. Instead, they're forced to kick a field goal. And then what we just went through, the, the ensuing possessions, you get the – you get the the sack interception run by Payne. They punch it in. They go up seventeen six, and then boom right away twenty four six on the interception return by Mac Wilson. And and that's almost all she wrote. So basically, and, what happened and is I want to say this too. You could say, all right, well their defense dominated Clemson's offense. In my opinion, it was more of Clemson's offensive incompetence. Yeah, I, it, I think there was a big there was a big degree of that for sure. I think Alabama's defense front really I mean, gave the Clemson honest, offense like trouble. This is, the same, this is the same thing that happened with all when they played all. Earlier in the year, yeah, I I I think that's that's definitely. I mean, some uh, against a good defense, they, I mean, let's be honest. I think it really showed that the ACC wasn't very strong. I mean, their offense. I mean, uh, no, Kelly Bryant has never been a downfield passer, and you've got to be able to scare them to beat an Alabama team. So Alabama was just they practically stacked the box with playing close to the line because they weren't yeah. afraid of Kelly Bryant. Yeah, and when he put it, when he did put on the money, got guys like Deion Kane who were dropping passes that should have been easy catches down the field. The bottom line is Bama capitalized on Clemson's mistakes, and Clemson did not capitalize on Bama's mistakes. Yeah, I mean, Bama, I'm nothing against Bama. Bama played no, they played really well. Solid. I'm not trying to completely yeah, discount the win. they played an all-around game, but I don't think they completely dominated because, uh, like we said, away from two turnovers, it's a 10-6 game. Yeah. I mean, Clemson actually got something to play for on that final drive. Yeah, I mean, Bama looked good. Uh, they looked good defensively. Offensively, they did nothing. They, they did nothing to, to warrant me saying, man, they dominated Clemson. Defensively, yes, they did yeah, dominate Clemson. That, think of that did they run a flea flicker that play? Right, yeah, they did once. Completely underthrew Calvin Yeah, Ridley? and he had him. That was an easy, all you had to do is lay it out. There's an easy walk-in touchdown. Walk-in touchdown. Uh, but so I, I would, so I would say that, yes. So when you hold Clemson 188 yards, the Alabama defense had a dominating performance, but it wasn't a dominating all-around performance. The Alabama offense didn't do jack crap really. They averaged 3.4 yards per rush, and get this: Alabama had no drive longer than 47 yards in that game. They didn't sustain any drives. Yeah, I, I want to say was. 
didn't their touchdown come off a short field? Yeah, they they did not they did not sustain a drive longer than forty seven yards in that entire game. They had one drive that was forty seven and one that was forty six. Everything after that was much shorter. So it wasn't like their offense was running up and down the field on Clemson. That Clemson defense is good. So yeah, Bama defense looked dominant for sure because they they are really really good. But just this narrative that Bama just completely dominated this game. It was a whitewashing blowout. I, I don't know. I don't think I really buy that necessarily. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But in the end, it doesn't really matter how much Bama beat Clemson. But I guess it kind of just irks me that, you know, you hear Bama, 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 Bama. They're, they're killed Clemson. They're, they're going to roll over Georgia. You hear guys like Colin Cowher going crazy, which is fine. Whatever. They want to get listeners. I get it. There's a reason that they're on Fox Sports, too. That's fair. Fair point. Fair point. All right, now let's get into this actual matchup here. This is what you all guys, all you guys out there tune in to listen to. Maybe girls too. Maybe some ladies out there listening. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm just kind of read off some some of the advanced stats here for each of the teams and kind of just give you an idea of how the two teams match up statistically and then Curtis now get into the matchups and the personnel, all that good stuff like we like to do. So we're going to start with uh, defensively here. The Alabama defense is the number one ranked S&P defense in the country. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Uh, they are the number one rushing S&P defense. They have the number six passing S&P defense. Uh, they are third in the nation in limiting explosive plays, according to the advanced statistical measures here. Uh, so defensively, they're, they're as good as it gets. They're they're really, really good. But, you know, we're not half bad either. You know, let's not discount what we are. Now, we are number 11 in the uh, defensive S&P plus overall. So a little bit behind Bama, right there on the fringe of the top 10. Uh, we are at number 8 against the run with rushing S&P. So a little bit behind Bama there. And, and that makes sense if you watch two teams play. I do think they're a little bit better than us than, uh, stopping the run, especially with that front seven. Uh, against the pass, though, we are third nationally, a little bit better than they are, with passing S&P+. Plus. And we are also right behind the number four in limiting explosive plays. Uh, now, if you look at the other side of the ball, offensively, this is where we have an advantage. So Bama does statistically have a slight advantage over us uh, on the defense side of the ball. Offensively, though, it's the other way around. We have a slight advantage on Bama in just about every major offensive category. We are 11th nationally in offensive S&P+. Plus. Uh, we are the fourth most explosive team according to S&P+. Plus. We are the number seven S&P rushing offense and the number five passing S&P+. Plus offense, which I know a lot of you don't believe. That's A lot of that's based on efficiency. It's adjusted for opponent and takes out garbage time, all that stuff. Then you look at Alabama, they're the number 22 overall S&P Plus rated offense. They are the 8th most explosive offense in the country according to the S&P Plus. They have the number 12 rushing offense, we've got them by a little bit there. Uh, and they are the number, they got a slightly here in the passing, which might be a little bit surprising. They're the number 3 overall passing S&P Plus offense. So there's not a ton of statistical difference there, is there, Kurt? On either side of the ball, these are two very evenly matched teams, and honestly, aren't wouldn't you say that these teams kind of mirror each other in a lot of ways and what we like to do yeah, philosophically? I mean, we both want to do, uh, you know, accomplish our things the same way. Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense when you consider who the two head coaches are and the fact that Kirby yeah. clearly we all know worked for Bam, worked for Saban for a decade or so there, so it just kind of makes sense there, no doubt about it. But let's uh, let's look at the rosters here. Talk about the personnel for a minute. If, if you had to look at both these rosters, which one would you say has the more talented overall roster? I mean, I, I think there's no doubt that it is Bamba right now. Yeah. Um, if you can just look at the amount of stars. Yeah, if you look at the recruiting, recruiting rankings. I, I, think, I believe we have one more five-star, but they have 37 or, 37 or more. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, they don't have the lower-level guys like we've had. Yeah, they, don't, they don't have they the three-star like, guys. I think they had like 10 three-stars. Yeah. 
I mean, they got according to the two four seven composite. They now it won't be the case this year, but up until this year, they've had six straight number one recruiting classes. Uh, and this is when we our first year, likely finishing number one. So if you look at it based on star rankings, recruiting rankings, which they don't tell the entire story, but they're usually a pretty good uh, measure of the overall talent on your roster. They they really indicate that for the most part. So based on recruiting rankings, I would say they they across the board are the more talented team. I agree. Uh, but I would say we have certainly closed the gap on them since Kirby's been here. Is that fair? Yeah, I do think. Now, if, if we go, if we rewind two years, it was it's not it's a no contest, right? Like when we played them in 2015, that the, the big home game with the torrential downpour, right? Yeah. Were, I mean, we all saw what happened in the field, and that was a direct result of the fact that they were just clearly far and away more talented. I think we've closed that gap over the past couple of years with the recruiting classes. Kirby Smart has been able to put together. And I would also say that while over overall across the board, they are the more talented, the deeper team, I would say that we are absolutely more talented in certain spots. Is that fair? Um, in yeah, certain I spots. I would I mean, say... I thought at first places that they've taken a step back. I mean, that dominant offensive line they've had for years has really taken a step back. They are very good rushing uh, offensive line or in, in run blocking. They, they, are, they are below average against or defending or protecting, I should say, protecting... Uh, Jalen Hurts back there as a passer. Uh, I would say Roquan Smith is a better linebacker than anyone they have. They have some really good linebackers. Mac Wilson's really good. Sean Evans, they're really good, but they don't have a Roquan Smith. I mean, would you agree with me there? Yeah. They don't have a Roquan Smith. I, I, their running backs are really good. Damian Harris, uh, Bo Scarborough, Najee Harris, all those guys are really good. Uh, Josh Jacobs, really good. But I would still take our running back core just slightly over them, would you? Yeah, I would. And I and I here's another area I, I might say our wide our wide receivers as a whole I might take our wide receiving core now Calvin really is the best receiver out of the two groups but I think if you look at wide receivers as a whole I know they have some highly rated guys but production wise they haven't really produced much so I think maybe a push at worst there yeah I, yeah I, 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 as a passer yes I think Jay Fromm is far far and away head and shoulders above. As a pocket passer, better than Jalen Hurts. Now, he doesn't have the, the mobility that Hurts has. Hurts may be a little bit of a different type of quarterback, but I would take our guy, wouldn't you? Yeah. At this age, I really would. All right, now the next thing I want to look at here, now that we've talked about the rosters for a second, is I want, like, I, over the past five years, Bama's lost seven games. All right, they've lost seven games over the last five years. And I want to take a look quickly here, Kurt, at the types of teams that have traditionally given the Nick Saban coach Alabama teams trouble. The teams have actually beaten them. And kind of look and see, do we have any similarities with those teams that have beaten Bama? Or are we a totally different type team? So if you look at the teams that have beaten Bama over the past five years, obviously this year you had Auburn. Uh, last year you had Clemson in the national title game. In 2015 you had Ole Miss that beat them. In 2014 you had Ole Miss again. And then Ohio State in the playoffs. And then in 2013 you had Auburn with the kick six game. And then you had Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl when Trevor Knight went crazy and had the game of his life there. So, Kurt, if you're looking at all those teams, those seven teams that have beaten them in the past five years, what similarities do you see across the board? What are some of the characteristics they have in common? Um, the only thing that we don't have that a lot of those teams had is more of a mobile quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but the biggest thing, I mean, if you look at some of these teams is, um, I mean, especially the Auburn game. The Auburn game is just because they got dominated physically. Um, but other than that, I mean, most of the other teams they they were more of a tempo type style teams. They're, they're up, they're up the, or I should say, fast paced spread type systems, right? Offensively, and that's what's given Bama trouble over the years. I, mean, I think Auburn this year's. I mean, they're they're still kind of an up tempo, uh, 
spread type offense, but they they beat Bama this year by pretty much running right at them. I mean, they they were they out physical Bama this year, which was surprising. I know Bama had a lot of injuries, so that was maybe the exception there. But I think you mentioned the mobile quarterbacks. All seven of those teams have had mobile quarterbacks. Every one of them. And I, I know Jarrett Stidham. That's a borderline mobile quarterback. That guy can do some things with his legs. He can yeah, hurt you. He had a, he had a uh, what a twenty yard rushing touchdown or something. Yeah, and he and he hurt us with his legs both games at, at different moments. Now he's not a Nick Marshall, uh, a. Uh, I don't know who Deshaun Watson. He's not that type of guy. Um, he's not even. I, I guess maybe a more like a Bo Wallace at Ole Miss in 2014, something kind of along those lines. He's definitely not a Kelly from Ole Miss. I don't think he's he's that degree, but he's still he's he's mobile enough. Um, now I would say four of those offenses had they had offenses where the quarterback run game is a big part of what they do. At least four, maybe even five. You could argue the Oklahoma offense, whichever night. The quarterback run game is a, was a big part of what they do. I said all all seven of those teams run some version of a of a spread offense, and in all those games, all seven defenses they didn't dominate Bama, but they played good enough defense to win the game. And they just flat, obviously they won the game, so they outscored Bama, but they put up points on that Bama defense. In those seven games that Bama's lost over the last five years, they were outscored by an average of thirty five to twenty two. Those seven teams put up on average. 35 points on Bama. Bama does not lose, at least over the last five years, they have not lost defensive slugfest. They don't lose those types of games. I'm not saying they can't lose that type of game. I'm just saying they haven't lost that type of game the last five years. Okay? So it's teams that the teams that have beaten them are teams that spread the field and score points. They make Bama's big, strong defenders play in space. So, Curtis, my the biggest question here and how it relates to us is. Do we have any of those qualities? Are we like those teams that have beaten Bama and given them trouble, at least the Bama defense, over the past five years? Um, not as much, really, let's be honest. But I think the difference is this is also not the same Bama team that we've faced the last that, – that our defense has been around the last five years. I think that's a good point. They they're, they're really good, but I, yeah, and they're they number one. pass rushers. Um, I'll get into that a little bit later, but they lack those elite pass rushers where they didn't sure. really have to read through blitzes and stuff. Right. They could just rely on their – They don't guys. have a Tim Williams or anybody like that, yeah. Yeah, they could rely on just those guys getting to the quarterback without having to scheme stuff up. And that's what made them so good. But right now they don't, so they're really having to – it's really a chess match now. And, and going off this year, you know, you're going over the stats earlier. Thing is, what good offense have they honestly faced this entire year? They haven't played anybody until they played. I mean, I guess you say Mississippi State. I mean, Mississippi know, State and Auburn. Yeah, Missouri Missouri would have done something against them. They, yeah. they may have put up a few, few passes. And, I mean, yeah. even Oklahoma, too, if you want to put them in there. I mean, teams like that, they, they haven't faced a single team that's really going to beat you, that, you know, that scares you throwing. They, that, that's a fair point. I mean, they, you're right. Missouri, or Missouri had the best offense in the SEC by a wide margin. Uh, they didn't have to play them. Now, they played Ole Miss. Ole Miss actually put up some serious numbers. Uh, they were the number nine S&P plus offense. Uh, Mississippi State was number 64. They played them. Uh, let me look up Auburn here. Uh, let's see, Auburn. We, we, we played Auburn twice. Auburn's number 34. So outside of Ole Miss, that's the only top 10 S&P offense that they faced all year. Uh, and Clemson, I mean, I, Clemson, I, I thought going into the playoff, this is why I argued on Twitter when they announced that who the top we're going to be. I argued that we should be the number one team going. On. I didn't think Clemson was good enough. I don't think Clemson offensively was was much to write home about. They didn't scare me at all. I know. I guess they had the win against Auburn, but hey, we had a win against Auburn on a neutral field. They beat Auburn early in the year without without Carryon Johnson at all. I know he's kind of banged up when we played him, but they didn't have him at all. Uh, they lose to Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse didn't make a bowl game. I just I didn't think. I mean, Clemson was a really good team. I, I don't know if they deserve to be number one. Uh, and I think it kind of it kind of played out that way. 
Uh, I honestly, I don't think that we really have many of the qualities of the teams that have beaten Nick Saban. Now we have a better defense than the teams that have beaten him. There's no doubt, but offensively, there's not a ton to go. Now we, I will say, we spread the ball out more this year than we have in the past. Uh, some of the, I mean, think about the Rose Bowl. Some of those big runs we had were from spread sets, right? We spread the field, get the defenders in space, and we, and we make things happen. Well, just like that, that seventy-five yard run, so we have we faked the uh, jet sweep. Yeah, faked the jet sweep is thirty-eight yard run. We're we're from. Uh, checks the play there. We were in 11 personnel. We had one running back and one tight end. The tight end was flexed out, so we essentially had five offensive linemen up there. Makes that big, huge run. So, I mean, I, we, we are incorporating more spread offense. We don't use the fullback very much at all anymore. We're not the same. I mean, we're te- I would still call us a pro-style offense, right? More more than more than not. But we're not the same pro-style offense we were under Mark Rick. Yeah, we? we start from the pocket still, but it's yeah. not like a eye formation or wing and stuff. Yeah, I mean, we run the eye occasionally, but just it's not like it used to be. We have more H-back type looks, things like that, which can still be more pro-style in nature, which I think we are, so more pro-style offense than anything. But we definitely have incorporated a lot more spread uh, concepts into what we do offensively under Jim Chaney, especially this year, than we ever did under Mark Rick. Bobo tried to work a couple of those into there. Then with Schottenheimer, I just man, we, we uh, don't even want to go there. Uh, but yeah, I just I don't think offensively we have a ton in common. Honestly, I think more more than not offensively, we really kind of play into Bama's hands. We're the kind of offense that they they really dominate defensively. The teams that lean on the road. Like think, think about Michigan State a couple years back in the playoffs, right? Remember Bama just absolutely destroyed them, murdered the only them. Difference is. Michigan, we have more speed in Michigan State. Sure. I think we, we're going to try to attack them on the edge. We're, we just we have more talent. Michigan State had that year. And see, the, this is the thing too. You know, the injury to Jennings. I want to say is that his name? Yeah, Anthony Jennings. Yeah. Um, he was their best outside linebacker that stops the run. That's like us losing. Um, uh, you know, like a Bellamy or someone. Yeah. And it looks like he's going to be out. Yeah, he has surgery. Yeah, so, he even so he's done. He's out, and, and he's their best. Rusher, or, and he, you know, he, and he played really well. The runs, and that's someone, and that's someone's gonna hurt you when you're gonna try to start yeah. attacking them. He was the probably end. their best defender against Clemson in that game. Yeah, he was having the, he was probably having the game of his yeah, uh, game playing of great. year of the season right there. Yeah, he was. There's no doubt he's playing great. And that's why Saban was mad that they weren't scoring. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I and just say the fact that we don't really look offensively like all those teams that have, that have beaten Bama the past five years doesn't mean we can't win. It's just I think it's. Fair to point out that we actually offensively we like to do traditionally it kind of it's not a great matchup for us offensively against that Bama defense. We are pretty much the kind of offense that they have kind of licked their chops and just dominated. We really are. Uh, we don't we don't spread the field and, and do as much of that type of stuff up tempo stuff. I'm not saying that we don't do it at all, but we just don't do it as consistently. It's not as much of a part of our offense as some of those teams that have given Bama trouble over the years. Doesn't mean we can't beat them. Doesn't mean we can't score. Just means that we're gonna we're gonna have to bring our A game. And we're going to have to play clean games, no doubt. But, Kurt, let's look at some of the matchups here. What are some of the matchups that may favor us in this game? Um, you know, I was talking about it, the one with Jennings losing him, and how earlier I said that they don't have any true pass rushers on the outside linebacker positions like they have had, like you mentioned with Tim Williams, people like that. So the thing that helps us is when it comes to us passing against um, – against Alabama, there's one of two things that are going to happen. Okay, either they're just going to not bring any pressure and try to rely on the outside linebackers, who in turn aren't as great as they have, which is going to give us a little bit more time in the pocket to try to get our guys open. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to try to bring pressure with you know a safety, a quarterback, someone like that from the secondary is going to try to bring pressure that way, which is then going to open up one-on-one coverage. And we need to exploit that. 
Exactly. We have got to hit those balls. And one thing, you know, I'll, I don't uh, but one thing we're going to have to do, and I think this is where it's going to come in handy, what happened to us in the Auburn game when we played them there, where our linebackers, our wide receivers were just getting jammed off the line, that's what Alabama's going to do to you. So I am thankful that we have that's happened to us before because now we know we're going to have to get them in motion. Kind of like what, if you guys watch the Falcons or anything, you see Julio Jones, a lot of times they'll do things with him where they'll bring him in motion so the guys can't jam him off the line. Sure. We're going to have to do things like that to – you, you start those guys in the slot and off the off the line of scrimmage. Exactly. You stack them, things, things like that. Them to be jammed. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I'm glad you brought up that Auburn game and maybe using it as a learning experience. I really hope that we learn our lesson there that against teams with elite defensive fronts and talent like Auburn and Alabama have. I don't think Alabama's D-line is any – I think Auburn's uh, – their starters are a lot better. They're not – they're just not that deep. Yeah, Alabama's I don't think they have the depth, but I, I think their front-line players might be better than Bama's. I think that's fair to say. But I, I would call both of those fronts – elite fronts and I hope by virtue of what happened against Auburn the first time around that we learn our lesson that we are still as good as we've been running the football this year we're still not physically good enough to just impose our will yeah, on those types of teams much to just run it down your throat like not since that point have we formations like we were we didn't even do it against against Oklahoma we came out throwing the ball on some of those early downs plenty of and times like, there's maybe a couple times where we went heavy other than that it was like you said earlier yeah. from the spread and things like that. I really think that was a very much a learning experience for us and I'm and, and kudos to our offensive coaching staff and Jim Chaney for taking that as a learning experience and, and not just saying well this is a one-time thing no they learned and they have adjusted and we've kind of remodeled what we do offensively we put more a little bit more on the early downs on Jake Fromm and he's responded in, in a championship manner to this point. they got one more game to go, but I, I think that was a very valuable experience for us. And Because the Alabama defense, not a spitting image of Auburn, but there's some similarities in the types of players and talent that they have up front. So I, I think that's something that you want to look at here for sure. Are any other matchups you're looking at that might favor us here? Is this on offense or defense? It, it doesn't matter. Either side of the ball. Any matchup uh, in well, the game. Well, defensively, in all, in all honesty, I mean, Jalen Hurts, while he's good at running the ball, he doesn't scare you deep with his arm. No. So, he, I mean, it's one of those things where you're not going to – it's more or less – I just think it helps our DBs because you saw what Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield, someone mm-hmm. that talent can do, but mm-hmm. Hurts doesn't have that type of passing talent. I absolutely 100% agree. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize this. Jalen Hurts has only thrown for over 200 yards twice this year. Twice. Everybody talks about how Jake Fromm has to put up huge numbers. Neither has Jalen Hurts. He threw for 248 and 242. All right? They don't win games. Like you said, they don't win games because of Hurts' ability to throw the football. They win games because he protects the football and doesn't do things to hurt them. And he gives them another element in the running game. That's why they win football games. It's not because of what Jalen Hurts can do throwing the football. And I, I, I'm going to piggyback on you. I think that is honestly that matchup between uh, our ability to defend the pass and their passing offense. I think that is one that favors us here. Now, Yes, I will readily admit, Calvin Ridley, right, is the best wide receiver in this game, period. No question. Yeah, but and I will say, I don't know if he's any better than what we faced last week speed-wise and things. Like Hollywood oh, he's, Brown. he's not faster than Hollywood Brown. No. He's and not fast. I mean, he, he might be a better all-around receiver. He's not faster than him. The Oklahoma's freshman receiver, he'll he'll be better in, by a junior than what? C.D. Lamb? Yeah, that yeah. guy's a stud. That guy's going to be a monster. He's the, he's the next big thing for them, no doubt. So I think Calvin Ridley's really, really good, okay? I don't necessarily know if he's the best receiver we face. Or we face some good guys say, in Missouri. I, don't think he is. I mean, Oklahoma, or I mean, Missouri had really Emmanuel good receivers. Emmanuel Hall, yeah. Javon Moore, those guys, for sure. Absolutely. So I, I think he's really good. But going back on the Hurts idea, like you brought up, Hurts, in my opinion, 
is average at best, at best, when he's asked to be a pocket passer in obvious yeah, passing situations. There's a lot of receivers. I mean, there's, play, like we said, the one we under through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of plays where he, mm-hmm. he could, they would be touchdowns, but there may be big games or stuff like that, but mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, the thing about the Auburn game, the only big pass he really had was uh, a push-off. He's average at best when asked to be a pocket passer. That's that's just simply the facts. If you watch, like, watch the Clemson game, how many times did they throw screens in that game? A lot. And, I a mean, tons. Like I said, he, threw for, he threw for, what, 140 yards? Yeah. They might have thrown double-digit screens in that game. I mean, I didn't count. I should have counted. I meant to count. I just didn't go back and do it. But, I mean, it was if it wasn't double-digit screens, it was close. I'm talking wide receiver screens, running back screens. They do it in a bunch of different ways. They're very creative in how they run their screens. But they do that to protect Hurts and to have their passing game involved because they know he's not a downfield pocket passer. Now, he's dangerous when he's, when he's outside the pocket, when both the run and the pass are equal possibilities because it kind of creates dilemmas for defense. It's kind of what we saw with that that reverse that Oklahoma had when CeeDee Lamb throws the pass. Maybe it'll put your defense in dilemma. So he's... And then we have we have fewer guys that we can actually dedicate to coverage because we have to have guys that can account for him in the running game. But his success as a passer is entirely directly tied to his ability to force defenses to account for that ability to run the football. And I guess Alabama's ability to run the football in general. But if we force him to be a pocket passer, do you think he can beat us? No. I don't. I simply don't. And I also, it's not just him. I mean, we talk about Ridley being a good player. Ridley is good. But outside of Calvin Ridley, who's got 935 yards receiving on the year, just a hair under 1,000, they don't have anybody else that has put up much in the way of production this year. The next closest guy to Ridley is Cam Sims at 259 yards. Out of their top five pass catchers, Ridley obviously being number one with 935 yards, Ridley has almost 100 more yards receiving himself than the other four top, uh, out of their top five combined. They yeah, I mean, don't have other it's options. It's very similar to when they had Amari Cooper his final Absolutely. year. Absolutely. Either him or no one, more or less. I guess it's a Bama thing. They find one really stud receiver and they feature They feature the crap out of them. They don't even have an Ardarius Stewart this year. No, because last year, Ardarius Stewart was a really good counterpart to Ridley. In fact, sometimes Ardarius Stewart was the, fe- the focal point of that passing offense. Well, he's gone. Ridley has definitely assumed that role. He is the alpha receiver for them, no doubt. But they don't have other guys. And, you know, we have Javon Williams, who's not as good as Ridley, but he's not too far off. But. So we have him. We also have Terry Godwin on the other side. Miko Harbins, he's coming along. Riley really has, you know, he can do some things. We ha- and we have we have DeAndre Swift using the passing game. So we have other options, more options, more legitimate options in our passing game than I think that they do. And on top of all that, they are also surprisingly bad protecting protecting the passer. I mean, they are 92nd nationally in adjusted sack rate, and it gets even worse on passing downs. They are 108th nationally in adjusted sack rate on passing down. So if we can get them in those third and long situations, if we can win on the early downs, I really like our chances to get off the field because I don't think that passing game, quarterback, wide receiver core as a whole, offensive line, I don't think they are built to consistently move the ball in third and convert on third and long. I really don't. I don't at all. Anything else you see out there that might favor us? Um, On the top of my head, I think that's going to be it off the top. All right, I got one more here that I think might potentially favor us. Uh, and just hear me out on this. Okay, now yes, right, we went over offensively. We don't have a ton in common with the types of offenses that have given Bama trouble because they, I mean, they they really are. They're largely built to stop exactly what we like to do with our downhill running game. But the thing for me, while that's true, I think that is true. There's some va- there's some validity to that. But can't you also say the same thing about the matchup between our defense and their offense? Aren't they the type of offense that we are built to stop? Um, for the most part, especially because the running game is so inconsistent. Uh, to me, I, through all the times I've watched him, uh, Brian Dabble has not really impressed me. 
Well, you saw Saban rip him apart. I mean, he look, to me, he looks like Cheney did his first year. Again, they put up 261 total yards against Clemson. Now, Clemson's got a great defense. I mean, that's a that's a really legit defense. But it's not like they're blowing teams away offensively that that are that are close to the same talent. Now, if they're playing Vanderbilt, yeah, they're blowing them out. But you I mean, know what? Yeah, so they, did they, we. They, they, other than Vanderbilt, who have they really blown out? I mean, they, they Tennessee, barely, I guess. Well, yeah, but they barely beat LSU. Texas A&M barely, gave them a, a good game. Yeah, say so you barely beat A&M, who gives up how many points to oh Wake Forest? God, a freaking million. Jeez, I think Wake Forest is still scoring on A&M. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's thing, a fair I mean, point. Those are fair points there. So I, but I really do. I think oh, that. Hold on, I got one oh, matchup. Yeah. Hit me, hit we, me. Ha- we haven't mentioned. Hit me. What Kick. you got? Kick special teams. Uh, they have a better punter, but field goal wise, Rodrigo. I think yes, Rodrigo and I. You know, early in the season, there was a lot of consternation uh, among the Alabama staff and, and their loyal faithful in their kicking game. Uh, and Rodrigo has really come along. I, I really now Rodrigo's not perfect, okay? He's not. We saw him miss that one field goal, but the dude has earned his scholarship, has he not? He has. I mean, he's made some big time kicks. That fifty five yarder's not getting enough credit. No, I, I mean that dude. That was God. It was, a, it was such a huge play. But Papanastos, Andy Papanastos, the Alabama kicker, he's been pretty good for the most part. Uh, but he's not. I don't. I don't think he's as good as Rodrigo. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I think I think he's good, but yeah, I don't. I'm looking. At, I got the numbers here. I'm pulling them up right now on the. I mean, he's he's actually kicking a fair percentage if I remember correctly off the top of my head, but he's not. He hasn't been overly dominant. And there were some real. I mean, serious. There was some major consternation early in the year about this guy might be the reason they lose a game somewhere down the line. He's 16 of 21 on the year, but he just doesn't seem to have the leg. And when they when they get in those long situations where it's on the fringe of field goal opportunities, they might be apt to go for it. Now, J.K. Scott, on the other hand, the, their punter, that dude's oh, legit. Yeah, he, he's, that guy can flip the field. Yeah, that guy. That guy's a weapon. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, Nicole's not going to return a single kick against him. I think that's a very fair assessment. The, the hang time he gets in those balls and allows the the punt return team or the punt the, the punt cover team to get down there. It's yeah, it's going to be rough. And I mean, Nicole could be a guy that could be a weapon for us, but I think J.K. Scott's going to likely take him out of the equation. Which is unfortunate for us. Maybe the kick can get them. Maybe we'll be able to return some more kicks. I don't know. It's indoors, so the win won't play a factor there. Uh, but one more match we got here. Just going back to it. So the idea that, you know, yes, I think you can say that our offense kind of plays into what they do well defensively. But I do think you can say the same thing about the match between our defense and their offense. Look at the teams that we've had the most success defending this year, okay? Now, I know that Alabama, yes, they've implemented more RPOs and quarterback run game now with Jalen Hurst. They've kind of remodeled themselves to a degree. But still, at their core, Alabama wants to run the football. They run the football 63% of the time. Now, we, we run the ball a little bit more. We run the ball 67% of the time. But two very similar type offenses, they just they feature the quarterback in the run game a little bit more. But, like I said, we've had some of our best defensive success this season against offenses built around the ground game of mobile quarterbacks. What gives us the most trouble are offenses with quarterbacks that can legitimately throw the dang football, right, with the high-powered pass attacks. Look at what Mayfield did early in that game. It looked like they were just going to score 1,000 points. Look at what uh, Missouri was able to do with Drew Locke in the first half of, those game, of that game. Those are the types of offenses that have given us more trouble than anybody this year. You look at the teams that we face with, with mobile quarterbacks that center their offenses around the quarterback's ability to run, Notre Dame. We held them to a season-low 55-yard rush. They, they average. Hurts is, is deadly, but 
I think Wimbush is a better runner. Wimbush, the, no doubt about it, the Notre Dame rushing offense is better than Alabama's. And, Notre, and Wimbush has put up way bigger numbers than what uh, Hurts has put up this year. They, I, mean, I mean, Notre Dame averages... Ran all over the Bama Hall defense. Yeah, they did. I mean, Notre Dame averages 269 yards a game running the football. We held them to 55 and 1.5 yards a carry. Okay, 1.5 yards a carry. All right, we held them to 265 total yards. They averaged 448 on the year, so we held them almost 200 yards under their, their season average. Mississippi State with Nick Fitzgerald, another mobile quarterback, another offense built around the quarterback's ability to run the football. We held them to a season low against teams where they had their stars in the whole game, not playing Charleston Southern. But again, I guess an SEC low, 280 yards, and they averaged 414 on the year. We held Nick Fitzgerald to a season low, 47 yards rushing, if you throw out the old Miss game where he got hurt earlier in that game. Missouri, we held them. They're not built around the quarterback run game, but they have a very powerful offense. They average 193 yards rushing. I know you don't think that because you, all the attention is put on their passing game. But they average 193 yards rushing a game. We held them to their season low in the year of 59 yards rushing. So teams that run the ball very well and teams like Notre Dame and Mississippi State who feature the quarterback run game, we've had more success defending them than anybody on their schedules all year long. And those are the teams that we had the most success against. And that's Notre Dame and Mississippi State, wouldn't you say – the Alabama offense, that those are probably the two teams they most closely resemble. Yeah. And we had a lot of success defending them. It's the teams that throw the ball down the field, and we didn't face many of them. But the ones we did, they're the ones who gave us a lot of trouble. And that's just not this Alabama offense. That's not what Jalen Hurts does. So I think this is a matchup that potentially, yeah, our offense versus their defense might favor them, but their offense versus our defense I think favors us. I really do. Now let's move to the other side here. Are there some matchups that might favor Bama in this game? Um, they're DBs against our wide receivers. DBs in general, because I, I think there's Minka. a, I think their safeties are really good. Minka Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harrison, those For guys Minka, are legit. The one thing I noticed about Minka is he is overly aggressive, almost to a fault at times. I, I'm wondering if they're going to because you saw. I mean, there were some times where he was missing tackles. And he's coming yeah. a little aggressive. If they may, may try to capitalize, some misdirection. Him. Yeah. Yeah. I well, I mean, if it, trust me, if we notice that, our coaching staffs notice that. All the analysts on the staff, they've noticed that too. So we'll see if we take advantage of. It. I think there might be, might be a few plays in the playbook that might. I, mean, I would have them in the playbook to try to take advantage of. That. I think that's fair. But I think their safety is really good. I, their corners are solid. Averett and uh, and Levi, uh, what's his name, Levi uh, Wallace. They're good. I don't know if they're elite. I'm not sure. I think they're good. But and then they might be good enough to hold down our receivers. I think that's fair to say. But those safeties, though, you're right about those safeties. Those guys are legit. There's no doubt. Those guys are as good as it gets in the country, especially as a duo. Uh, I think Bama might have a slight advantage in the trenches overall. Would you agree with me there? Um, uh, a slight advantage. I'm not talking uh, about a major either. advantage. Which side? I think both sides. I mean, if you look at, we are. I don't know. You got to think. What we're hearing is that that guard is not healthy. Lester Cotton. Yeah, he's questionable at best right now. I don't know what and to think gonna, there. And, and not, not only that, but they were already talking about how they were going to have to use their six man at other positions because they have had injuries. Well, even if Lester Cotton does end up playing, how healthy is he going to be? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I don't know I don't if know. he can go the whole game, and so that's one thing that would help. Yeah, I think mean, that's that's true. That's a fair point there as well. Uh, but I mean, if you look at the numbers statistically, we are offensively we're 44th nationally in power success rate, so that's converting on third and four situations of two or less yards to go, and we're 35th nationally in stuff race. So how many times we're getting stuff behind the line of scrimmage for uh, tackles for loss? So pretty good in both those categories. Not elite, but pretty good. But the Alabama defense, they're number 14 nationally in front seven havoc rate. Like how disruptive is your front seven? you got guys like Raquan Davis, who I think is their, 
Honestly, I think he's probably their best interior defensive lineman. Uh, Deron Payne's a really good player. Isaiah Bugs, a Juco transfer, is another guy who's really good. Uh, and then if you look at the other side there, their offensive line, their ability to block run. Now, th- their offensive line does not protect the passer in, in pass pro at all. But they're they're very good block uh, in, in the run blocking situations. So and I think our defensive line has been really good this year. They've, they have, but I don't know if they're quite as good as the Alabama offensive line is running the football because Alabama's O-line, they're number four in stuff rate on the year, number 16 in power success rate. We're 45th nationally in havoc rate up front, which is good, solid, but it's not dominant. So, again, there's nothing major. They don't think it's a major advantage, but I think they they could potentially have a slight advantage overall uh, in the trenches there. But we'll see. With Anthony Jennings out on that front, with Lester Cotton yeah, like potentially said, out. He is, he is their best outside linebacker yeah. stopping the run. And they've already lost a lot of depth with uh, Dylan Moses being completely out. They have no depth. I mean, they have less depth than we have an inside linebacker right now, which is hard to imagine, but they do. They also don't have Reggie Carter having to play, but, uh, well, I guess we got to do what we got to do, right? He's going to play out of his mind. Let's do it, man. Reggie, prove me wrong, dude. Please, God, please prove me wrong. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. All right, uh, let's move on here to talk about some of the keys to win this game, right? So we've gone through a lot of the different elements of this game, but if you're looking at a couple of keys here, what would you say are the biggest reasons we could win this game? What are the keys? What are the things we're going to have to do in order to win this football game? Uh, like I mentioned, the what was the difference in the Clemson game is we're going to have to protect the ball because, I mean, like yes. I said, Clemson can turn it over. It's a 10-6 game. So if we can protect the ball, it gives us a chance to not hurt ourselves. I mean, think of what that, that Sony fumble. Um, that right there, that oh. almost changed the entire game. I can. St- I still remember the, the the feeling I had in my gut when that happened. It That's felt like saying. I had so been stabbed can, by 48 knives. If we protect yeah. the ball, then I have if we protect the ball and force a couple of turnovers and then and capitalize on the turnovers, unlike Clemson was able to do. Yeah. I agree with you. That's one of the things I got on my list here, too. Is Especially, yes, I, I think going back to what we said at the beginning, I think that Bama does have the talent edge overall. But I don't think it's a significant talent edge now that Kirby's gotten into town and, and pulled some elite recruiting classes here in, in consecutive years. But they still have an, an overall edge, but just not by much. But when anytime the teams are this close and this similar in, in, in philosophy and what we like to do, Turnovers become even more paramount. Turnovers are always important, right? The team that wins the turnover battle, I think they win like eighty-five percent of the time. I think that's the number. But in a game like this, when there's when there's so many similarities between the two teams, the talent is relatively equal. Uh, I think turnovers just assume even greater levels of importance, right? Yeah. So I think whoever wins the turnover battle is going to have a huge advantage in this game. If it's not just getting the turnovers, but again, capitalizing on them, and if you do turn the ball over. Put the fire out, man. Do not let them get points off of it or force them to kick a field goal instead of touchdowns. Just you got to take care of it. I think that's that's huge. That's huge. What else, man? What else are you looking at as the key to this game? Uh, we're going to have to throw an early down. So I think that's a no-brainer, but we're going to have to. my notes again, man. But I, I mean, agree with you. It's just simple. It is. It, I mean, it is. Just, let's be honest. If, if anyone out there has been watching the sports media this week, it's the same old, same old that you've heard all year that Alabama's going to force us to beat them with the pass. I mean, you know, they're going to stack the box. Right. Fromm's going to have to beat them. And, and that's the truth, and that's why I say we're going to have to throw in early downs. Absolutely. That's what I have in my notes. I have on my, in my notes, we got to mix up the run and pass on first down. Like we were talking about earlier, the Auburn game for the first time around in, in Jordan-Hare. We have hopefully have learned from that, and it seems like we have in the game since that point, but we've got to mix up the run, on, run and pass on first down, take what they give us, implement some RPOs, like you know, like I, we were talking about with, with the, the recaps for the Rose Bowl, all those hitches that we take are RPOs, lines blocking run, and the, the, the 
corners are playing off and Fromm just takes it and throws it out there, flips it out there and we got five or six yards on first down. I would give, I would put the ball in Fromm's hands and give him the opportunity to make those decisions. He's, he's proven that he can do that and make really smart decisions with the football. Uh, so I think we got to win, or we got to mix up the run and pass. I agree. Take what they give us. I also would take a few shots and man coverage on early downs. I really would. Because um, tell me if you disagree, but I think honestly, we've been really good offensively, but against this defense, the chances are that we probably aren't going to be able to sustain a ton of long drives. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think the chances are we're just not going to be able to do that consistently. So therefore, in a situation like that, if we're going to score points, it's going to be very important for us to hit some big plays. And for that to actually happen, you've got to actually attempt to create a few big plays in the past and give Fromm a chance to take some shots downfield. I, like we said a second ago, I think this, the strength of their safeties, I would attack their corners and man coverage. Uh, particularly Levi Wallace. He's a former walk-on. He's a good player, but he's not a, a dominant corner by any stretch of the imagination. I think we could potentially get some some shots over the top against him and man coverage. But Bama's going to do what Bama does. They Saban forever is always talking about defensively. You want to take away what the, opponent, the opposing offense does best. Clearly, we run the football better than anything else. That's what we do. So he's going to sell out, try to stop the run. He's going to try to early on hold up in man coverage on early downs on, on the perimeter there. And I think that's when we got to take the shot. So I'm not 100% agreement with you. Now, one more thing for me here. And again, this is a lot of this is just simple. Like it's it's just simple football. But I think it's it. And this is a case again. Every single game, it's important. But I think in this game, it might even be more important. And that is to win first down on both sides of the ball. Yeah, because you saw what it did to Oklahoma when we started winning yeah. it. When you start to, when when they were on schedule early in the first half, that's why they they could they, the entire playbook was open to them. When you're on schedule, when you put teams behind the chains on first down, they all of a sudden become more predictable because there's only a certain amount of things they can do to make up those yards. You have fewer downs to do it, so the playbook's just not entirely open to them. So I, and I, I honestly, I think it's it's it is important on both sides of the ball. I think it might be even more important for us defensively because if we win on first down defensively. That's when you can make Jalen Hurts a pocket passer, and that is what we need to do. That's where he will not be able to beat us. Now, if they're if they're on schedule and he has the run pass option, he can run, he can throw, and they have the whole playbook open to them. That's going to be much tougher to defend. But if we can win on first down and make him a pocket passer, that is the key to us winning this game. Now, that's easier said than done, right? Because they run the football very well. But if we can find a way to do it, then I think that's going to be a huge key for us to potentially win this football game. All right. Last thing I want to talk about here before we get into our actual predictions is I want to look at the intangible side of this, you know, the coaching matchup here. Because there's, there's so many storylines when you look at the coaching matchup, uh, matchup here with Nick Saban, the, the master, the Jedi master, and then uh, Kirby Smart, the young apprentice, I guess you could say here. But if you look at this game, Kurt, not just coaching matches, but the intangibles, how both teams will be, uh, their mindset coming into this game, is there one side that's going to have an advantage in that regard? I know Pruitt was with this staff for two years, but it's a, no. He wasn't with this staff for two years. No, but I'm talking about with this program. Yeah, he was it's with us, a, but Kirby was with with the Mammoth program for a decade. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think, and we have we're just we just have so much insight into both of these teams. I think yeah, both teams have insight into each other, and like I said, they're, they're, we're largely mirror images of each other in many ways, especially on the side of the ball. We, we rely on players that Pruitt never really got, had to rely on. That's true. Like who? I mean, we have Ledbetter. You have Tyler Clark. Yeah. Uh, Ruan, he, he never truly coached. Reggie Carter was nowhere on that that staff. Yeah, he wasn't uh, a factor. Aaron, I mean, yeah. he, Aaron Davis started to play with him, but um, then you've got uh, J.R. Sanders Reed, was there. Like J.R. Reed's a new uh, guy. Yeah. 
Bellamy never really got PT under people like him. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a great points, No doubt about it. He recruited well, a lot of these mean, guys, but never really got a chance to up, but I, mean, I mean, I will tell you, I, I would not be shocked if Kirby has not been in the offensive game plan room this entire week, uh, just you know, going over what these people are capable yeah, of. Here's the thing. Kirby has actually – he has firsthand knowledge of some of their players, guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, Deshaun yeah, Hand, Ronnie Harrison. young guys playing for them. Yeah, he has firsthand knowledge. He literally coached these guys. He understands what their strengths and weaknesses are now, even more so than what you can get just from film. Because he has an intimate knowledge of these guys. Saban does not have that with any of our guys. Now, maybe Pru has a little bit with a guy like Lorenzo Carter, maybe a few guys, but not many. Okay, he was not, and he wasn't with this staff. Saban does not have that firsthand knowledge of our roster like Kirby has with some of the guys. A lot of the guys that are impact players for them on that defense. Uh, Deron Payne's another guy. Kirby has firsthand knowledge of that. Now, I don't know how much that'll play into it. I don't know. Kirby's kind of downplaying that. But I have to think, it can't hurt, right? Anything. It can't hurt. No, it can't. can't I mean, it helps more than it hurts. That's a simple way. What about the fact that it's in Atlanta? Does that give us an edge? Um, I think it does help us travel-wise. Do you really think it's going to be I know Bama played Florida State there at the beginning of the season but just the fact that we were there about a month ago does help us in my opinion we played a True. big time game there um and what an environment I, that was man i can't oh my god it was incredible that and that's incredible. what i'm saying i mean i just here's the thing and i think jake Fromm's dad if you that article read that interview kind of yeah kind of it is it, it kind of is the way it is at bama it's business but like the relationship between players and coaches, it's a business relationship. Exactly, and the players, they don't. I don't feel like they play out of emotion. Where you have a lot of seniors who came back. Bam doesn't have seniors that came back like we do. These guys are playing for well, the reason right? that our guys have bought in so quickly under Kirby Smart and after a, an eight and five year one is because they know he cares about them. They know he loves them. Now he's hard on them now. Don't get me wrong, but they know that he's he he's got a personality. He cares about them more than just a football player. Yeah, he, should, he demands a lot out of them, but he's also there for them. Yeah, he's one of the I guys who demand a lot out of you. Coaches would be trying to get kids help, um, not just to keep on the program, but just for the good of these kids. Yeah, so I, I and, and maybe there's something to that. These kids are playing. I mean, let's be honest. Most of these kids, you, Alabama. I, I don't. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but maybe I'd probably say less than ten percent are from the state of Alabama. Well, that's just not a fertile recruiting ground. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But the, a lot of the, a lot of our so you're saying like they got the home state pride. You're playing for your state, bringing the championship back yeah. to Georgia. Yeah, Fromm like, even said that after the after the yeah. after the Rose Bowl. You got Bellamy, Lorenzo, and Chubb. Those three right there are all from Georgia. Yeah. This this there's from Terry Godwin playing the red. I mean, yeah, Tyler Clark. I just, I, and I, I have to say, I think the mindset changed too of us coming back. I it, I just. I love this team. I love this team's mental makeup. I love the leadership we have. And, I, and Bam has, I'm sure they have great leaders too. And they have great mental makeup. Look what they just did at Clemson. They, you know, they, they've been putting that, they, they had the screensavers on their phones or whatever with the Clemson score from last year. Leading up to Clemson, they were getting down talked. Sure. But since they beat Clemson, they've been the ones getting talked up and we've been the ones getting disrespected. Yeah, it's a very different scenario because, you know, in that you're right, in, that, in the matchup against Clemson, all the conversation was like, Bama doesn't deserve to be in the playoff, right? There was a lot of conversation yeah. about that. And so they, they – now, you know, now they're what, almost five-point Yeah, now they're the favorite. And so a lot, coming into the Clemson game, they had the chip on the show that a lot of people were saying they shouldn't have been in there. And then they also had the, the game from last year on their mind. They had the screensavers on the phone of the score after that game to kind of motivate them all year long. They, they had this in their mind. They wanted that revenge. 
And in this game, it's a totally different setup. Now, obviously, it's for the national championship, and they're going to be motivated to play. I, I, but they I don't, do they have that edge? Kirby. I'm not sure. I'm not sure they're going to have that edge. Matt Kirby's been preaching the, the 2015 game. Yeah. I mean, it's just the both teams are coming from different places. I don't know if that gives them one side the advantage or the other, but Bama, you know, they're coming from the they're they're the champ, right? They're the heavyweight champ. They want to defend. Yeah, it just happened tonight, but I don't know how many people saw the video of Scott Cochran destroying their runner-up trophy from last year in the locker room. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, saw that. I, yeah, and then and that's who they have. they're the champ. They wanted to defend and kind of reassert their dominance in this in this game. Whereas we are the hungry up and comer, the challenger who wants to make a name for ourselves by like knocking Rick off Flair the big said, bad dude in the block. Like Ric Flair said, be the best. You got to be the best. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So I don't know if that gives either side the advantage. They each each team's gonna have their certain motivation. But I just love the mental makeup of this team. This team's resiliency, their ability to focus on the task at hand, to keep the main thing, the main thing, as Kirby likes to say, to keep chopping wood, all the, the cliches out there, all the platitudes, all that stuff. But they believe it, and that's what matters. And the leadership we have in this team, it's just hard for me to imagine a scenario where we are not ready to play. I just, I can't, and I know it's a national championship, but even beyond that, I just, I love this team. Guys like Sonny Michelle, Nick Chubb, Devin Belling, Lorenzo Carter, Roquan Smith. They're going to have us ready to play. I'm sure Bama's going to be ready to play too, but uh, I just I love the makeup of this team. Now, do you really think, though, this is going to be a, a majorly pro-Georgia crowd since it's in Atlanta? Um, I don't think majorly, but I do think it helped us that we clinched first. Yeah, I think it's going to be a pro-Georgia crowd. Uh, and it, I, I really do. I would say 55-45 or 60-40, somewhere in there, just because we clinched first. And you, we know that our, I mean, the site's shut down because we were Well, and you also got to factor in, Bama's been here, done that. Their fans have been here, done that. Okay, now a lot of the they're yeah, hardcore. Are they willing to spend that money? Like, yeah, their hardcore fans are gonna go. Their hardcore fans are gonna go. But the rank and file who might have gone like last year to Tampa when the tickets were about six hundred dollars each, they're not gonna make this trip. Whereas Georgia fans, like I'm telling you guys, I would have paid whatever, and I did pay whatever. You know, I fell just short of the ticket cutoff, unfortunately, for the Hartman Fund, and had to pay out the the rear end. But happily, man, for this game, as long as we win, right? But uh, I don't know if that's the same for Alabama because they just—it's not new to them. It's new to us. I mean, we got to own that. It's new to us, and I think there's a lot more excitement about us being there. I'm sure their fans are really excited, but not the level like we are. This is like Bama in like you know the early years of the Saban era, 2008, 2009. I guess 2009 was when they won the title, and how how giddy they were to be in that opportunity. So I do think this would be a pro Georgia crowd. I don't think it's gonna be an overwhelmingly pro Georgia crowd. I think you're right, 55, 45, 60, 40, somewhere around there. But I tell you, the Georgia fans in attendance are going to be, uh, let's just say, use the terms that young kids use, they're going to be lit, right? They're going to be lit. There's no doubt about it. But I think on the other side, like, is there a scenario where, like, the idea that, because there, there's a lot of conversation about, hey, it's in the, it's in Atlanta, it's in Mercedes-Benz, it's going to be a pro-Georgia crowd. So when, when the Alabama players are hearing that, hearing all the noise about that, how Atlanta favors us, do you imagine Saban using that to kind of build some sort of chip on their shoulder, Maybe like no one believes you can do it. Chip on their shoulder, but I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you know, at practice this week, both teams have been indoors with the volume turned all the way up to where you can't talk. Oh, it's going to be insane in there. There's no doubt about it. What about Jeremy Pruitt and the fact that he's doing he's working two jobs with Tennessee and Alabama, kind of like what Kirby was doing when they won their last national title? Does that factor in, into this at all? Um. Maybe so because there's been such a short turnaround. Right, you know, they were because people said, "Well, Jeremy Pruitt, look at look at the job he did. They, they were dominant against against Clemson, and you know he's he's working two jobs. Yeah, you had a month, right? Now you've got. I mean, they, they got less than a week, pretty much. They didn't get back yeah, into town they, until they Tuesday. Got back later than we did. Absolutely. 
I, yeah, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That support staff. And the fact is, all the analyst guys, when the playoffs start, when the playoffs were announced, analysts from our team, analysts from their team, were doing their due diligence and putting together game plans for each other. We were putting together game plans for Clemson and Alabama. They were putting together game plans for us and Oklahoma. Now, I will say, though, I do think we have a little bit of a head start a game planning for Alabama because go back to the last of the regular season when we didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know if we were playing Alabama or Clemson. So that's true. That's fair. But I, I, I'm just saying, like with, the, with that last week of the regular season, we had our analysts getting a head start because we were game planning for both Alabama and Auburn. So we didn't know who we were going to play. So you know, we didn't just throw that information away. We filed that away. So we may have a little bit of a head start. Now they have a huge support staff too. So I don't know if it's much of an advantage, but I know that we we didn't start game planning for Alabama on Tuesday. All right, this has been in the works for months. Yeah, anyone that thinks that doesn't know. No, that's 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 why we have support stars like Jay Johnson. They put together game plans. They're reviewing film all the future opponents, and then when it's time to actually play that opponent, they put the game plan, the potential option for game plans, what they've noticed on the desk of the offensive coordinator, team's coordinators, and the coordinators kind of approve and kind of put give their little input into it. But all the dirty work is done by the support staff guys, all those analysts that we hire. That no one really pays attention to, but those guys do a lot of the grunt, dirty work putting together game plans ahead of time. No doubt about it. All right, Kurt, last thing here, man. Only thing we got left to do is to put our predictions out there. I always go with the confidence meter. I, I threw away the confidence meter for the Rose Bowl. I'm going to throw it away one more time. Man. I'm going with an all-out prediction here. But I'm going to let you go first. How do you see this one playing out? You going to uh, pick against I, us again? Yeah, I'm about to go against us. I think Bama 24 to 21. Dude, I serious. I keep talking to you. I always tell you I'm going to stop being friends with you, man, but... Maybe I really will this time. 24-20. Okay, why Bama? Uh, I just I just don't know how much our offense is going to be able to, to do. I agree. Sustaining drives with that defense is a – it's a it'll take a Herculean effort. I agree with that. However, I'm not sure I agree with your ultimate prediction. I really – like we said earlier, just kind of summarize everything. I really think both teams are going to follow a similar formula to victory because philosophically we are very similar defensively, offensively. They, they, offensively, they do a little bit more quarterback run game. But, you know, we, we're we similar in a lot of ways. Defensively, both teams, both coaches want to take away what the opposing offense does best. And in both cases, that means each defense is going to clearly want to take away the run first and foremost. Now, and because of that, I really don't think – I could be wrong here. I probably am wrong. But I don't think either team will have an abundance of success running the football. I don't think either team will. If one team does have a lot of success running the football, that team's going to win the game. Would you agree with that? I think that could be the difference. If one team somehow finds a way to be successful running the football, I just I don't know if I see that happening. I just don't expect either team to really come close to their season average on the ground. You know, we average 267 yards a game, Bama 255. I don't see either team coming anywhere near those numbers. Um, we, we have defended... We, as in Georgia, we have defended very similarly built offenses really well this year. Like we're talking about Notre Dame, Mississippi State, like we outlined earlier. And as good as our running game has been, I'm I'm sorry, guys. I'm just not arrogant enough to sit here and claim. Again, I could be wrong. But I just, I'm not going to sit here and claim that we will have any sort of like serious success around the ball in Bama. Because stopping the run against more traditional pro-style teams, that's what they've done best for years defensively. So I, I think it's kind of arrogant to think that we're going to have as much success as we've had against most teams. It's just not going to happen. I don't see it, at least. I think, in that case, there's a strong likelihood, therefore, that it's going to come down to which offense is going to have more success in the passing game. And I honestly believe, I really, truly believe this, that we have the more advanced passer in this game. I, I know he's young. I know he's not as experienced as Jalen Hurts. Hurts played in this game last year. But if the game comes down to which quarterback can make more plays with his arm, I'm sorry, guys. I like our guy. And I also like our wide receiver core as a as a whole better than theirs. 
Yeah, Calvin Ridley is the best out of all wide receivers in the game, but I believe we have a more well-rounded group as a whole. And I think this game probably will come down to who has more success throwing the football. And I think that is ultimately going to be us. I think we are built more so to make plays in the pass game than what Alabama is. So for that reason, I'm going to go dogs in a tight one here, 23-20. I'm probably crazy, man. Maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm going. Going dogs, 23-20 here. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Anyway, guys, I hope, I hope oh, if you guys make it out the game, I hope you have the time of your life. Uh, I'm praying. I mean, we all are clearly praying for a win here. I'm, uh, it's going to hurt if we spend all that money and lose. That's going to that's gonna suck. But it's going to be incredible. hope everyone can make it out there. If you can't make it out there, hope you have fun tailgating with your parties and friends, all that good stuff. I mean, live it up, guys. This is as good as it's been in 30-plus years for us, man. So let's just hope these guys can finish the drill, get this job done, attack the day. Make, keep the main thing the main thing. Keep chopping wood, all of the above, all those things. GATA, all that stuff. Let's do it. Let's get after it. And uh, let's do this thing. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. That's all we got for today. As always, go dogs. <laughs>